All right, gang, tonight we are back again for episode, I think this is number 10, 7, 8, 9, 10. Yeah, this is number 10 tonight on our winter shows where we're going to be talking to DJs from around the country. And tonight we're going to be talking about being, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to read you the title, DJ Like a Sound Engineer. Jim has put it right on the screen right here, and you guys are going to see that in just a couple of minutes. So hang out there, gang, and we'll be right back. DJ Event Planner will change the way you manage and run your business. Streamline all of your procedures and software into one easy-to-manage system. DJ Event Planner, the ultimate online planning tool. and welcome everyone tonight we are going to be talking about some things that some people they think they're really good at jim but being djs we're probably not so good at that whole sound and being able to to use the sound and conjure the sound the proper way <sighs> i think that's very common and uh, that's what i wanted to talk about so so yeah this is this is this is going to be kind of a fun topic to get into because we've we every time ben and i talk a little bit about it People are like a million questions come flying in and some questions would make you cringe and some questions are, are pretty, are pretty like, oh yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So, so Jim, you're, you're going to have your work kind of cut out for you tonight to, uh, to be able to answer some of those, those common questions as you go through with your presentation tonight. So let's, let's dive in here and um, dig into, oops, I've got a, something's going over this, the side of that screen. All right. Excellent. There we go. There we go. We good? All right. So. See if we can. Can you make it? There we go. There we go. Ah, well, I went too far. Let's go back. There yeah. we go. So basically, uh, what I want to talk about is uh, a number of topics. But first is the location in the room. Where do you set up? Um, one of the things that drives me crazy is when I walk into a bar or, or a venue of any kind, and I see the DJ behind the speakers. And and the comparison I would make is anytime you've been to a live concert. And you see the front of house sound guy, I will ask the question, is he behind the stage hiding behind the speakers? <laughs> the obvious answer is no, he's out in the audience. So the question is, why is he in the audience? And the reason is is really obvious if you think about it, is he's in the audience so that he can hear what you as the audience are hearing, 
and adjust accordingly. You can't, it's like you can't adjust the stereo in your living room while you're in the kitchen. Yeah, not so well. It just makes no sense. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a number of technologies that we'll talk about in terms of enabling you to be free and be effective uh, when you're not behind the speakers. And then the, the obvious thing is using your ears because they really are your most valuable tool. If it doesn't sound good to you, chances are it doesn't sound good to customers. Jim, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna right, right there. You when you mentioned using your ears and such. Now, for those, a lot of us where we have have been listening to loud music for way too long, we start to lose some of the frequencies and things. Is that does it get to a point where that becomes basically we can't trust our ears anymore because of that? Have you run into people with I, that? I think so. I, I think uh, the other thing that you see, and it's related, is uh, guys who drink on the job. Because as you drink, your sensitivity to high frequency rolls off. Interesting. If you ever go in and see live band playing and their highs are really harsh and they're really loud, it's late in the set. I attribute that to the sound guy's drunk. Because <laughs> as, as you get drunk, and I've seen it, I've experienced it, yep. you have to fight, the, you have to do your EQing early in the night if you drink. Mm-hmm. Because you have to be aware of things like that and their effect on your ears. So the fact that you're not hearing the highs as sharp as they were at the beginning of the night doesn't mean the audience is not hearing them. Good. Uh, that I learned something tonight. I did not know that. But that now that I'm thinking about it, I've experienced some things like that, and I bet you that's exactly what was going on. So, hmm, and, and the other thing is you see, uh, if you go see a, a, a DJ, a traditional DJ who's behind his speakers, you'll catch a lot of variation in the volume in yes. the EQ. Because they can't hear it, they're behind the speakers. Mm-hmm. In my case, with my system, if I'm behind the speakers, all I hear is sub. The subs are omnidirectional; they're coming at me. I can't hear the tops at all. Yeah. So I don't want to be there. That's not the good place that it sounds. <laughs> and it, it doesn't. By me being out in the audience, and and this is what I talk about mixing like a sound engineer. I put myself in the audience somewhere, mm-hmm. and and that way I can hear exactly what they're hearing. So I can adjust the volume. I can adjust the EQ in real time as I'm playing through the night. Very nice. So the first thing is, where do you set up? This is a good example. This photograph is one of my a recent gig. And I'm all the way in the back of the room, as you can see how far it is to where the video screen is actually the stage. So a traditional DJ in this kind of setup would actually, and you can see the, the speakers are flown in this case. It's a house system. A uh, big, big uh, facility holds 450 people. Okay, yep. So uh, I'm in the very, very back in the sound engineer's uh, crib, if you will, with my rig, and I'm controlling everything from there. So you, again, you think about where the house board is located at a concert, that's where you want to be. You, some people in some bars and things, they focus on hiding you and hiding your equipment. Yes. Don't worry about that. Just make it not <laughs> as ugly as it has to be and, and put it, you know, like I've done mine in a big rolling rack where it's one big piece. And I can put banners over the back of it or advertising or whatever. Um, get away from the speakers. Don't be behind your speakers. And to your point, don't be in front of your speakers either directly because you're going to damage your ears and they are your most sensitive and most important piece of equipment. For sure. I always, I, if I'm going to be in a high, uh, high sound volume area, I always wear filters. Yep. I didn't when I was younger and uh, I had some challenges as a result of that. Because, you know, we used to test speakers by sticking our heads in the cabinets to see if that one was on. Yeah. Uh, not a good idea, really. Yeah, yeah. So, and then the, my, my biggest point, and this is just absolute simplicity, is if you can't hear the music, how can you adjust the mix? 
you know, and that's exactly, you're asking yourself when you set up behind your speakers, you're asking yourself to be a magician when it comes to the sound. Oh, for sure. Especially as you, more people come in a room and there's so many variables that there's just no way to do it and do it well. Exactly. Exactly. So um, I talk about adjusting your mix throughout the night. If it's too loud, people can't socialize. Okay, if it's too quiet, people won't dance. Uh, you got to use the EQ because not all tracks are recorded equally. You take a track from the 70s, compare it to a track from last week. They didn't record that heavy, heavy bass bottom end. Yeah. So you may find on some older tracks, you got to boost the bass a little bit or this or the song will sound too midi. Um, and a lot of tracks are recorded too hot or not hot enough or they're compressed to beyond recognition. So you have to adjust your mix as you go. You can't you can't assume that your uh, songs are all going to be normalized. Okay, so let's let's just are you going to take these apart in the next slides? Uh, not this particular one. So okay, we can good. Take that one okay. Way. So then I'm going to ask some questions. Then, if you don't, if you don't mind here, um, absolutely. Uh, the, uh, too loud. People can't socialize. Too quiet. Those are pretty self-explanatory. Use the EQ because they're not recorded equally. Now, most of the boards have got a three-band EQ, high, mid, and low uh, for DJ you know devices. Which of those three do you find that you would be adjusting the most during your live mix? Well, I'm old school and a, and a bit of a spoiled brat, so I take my I take my source uh, out of the three band EQ and I put it through a 31 band before it goes to my amps. Okay. So I I run a 31 band on my rack so I can tweak the sound very tight. Every well, every well. Um, yeah. So I but what I typically do is in my sound check I adjust the 31 band to the way I want it to be, and then I use what I find is you have to in a lot of tracks roll off the mid a little bit or the voices are too harsh. Okay. So on, on my mix, on my, I use Denon controllers and on, on the Denons, I normally find I, I boost the bass just a little past 12. I try to run the board flat, but uh, an EQ on the main EQ, but I do tend to, I'll base up, uh, I'll base it up a little bit, you know, so maybe uh, one o'clock and, uh, and I'll roll the, the mid down to 11 o'clock. Nice. But those are those are the only buttons on the on the EQ on the board that I touch during a show. Okay. But and you but I'll tweak the main EQ if I'm catching if it's getting harsh or there's not enough bottom end, then I'll go right to the rack and adjust the Adjust it band. there. Okay. Then let's talk about the similar thing with if a track that's recorded too hot or not hot enough, what have you. Are you writing the channel gain? Or are you writing the the at the top then the, the uh, trim at the top or are you writing the master volume? Well, in my case, I happen to use Virtual DJ, which and one of the options for the settings is to remember how you set, how hot you set the trim. Okay. So I use the trim to adjust the track so that it, it maybe just barely touches the red. Mm -hmm. I don't want it in the red, right? So I, I want to make the track uh, where you, if you were the recording engineer, this is where you would have recorded it. Sure. Okay. How I do. I don't. I, I mostly run, and and this is not what all DJs do, but I mostly run with my channel faders at 100% all night, and I just use the back and forth to crossfade between them. Hmm. I don't usually use the. I don't use them for volume. Now I mostly run video, and so that's one of the reasons is my fader is not only the volume of the song, but it's also the video. Yep, the video crossing. Yeah. Exactly. So I don't. I don't play with those that much. Mm hmm. Hmm. Interesting. So there are some really great tools available to help you do these things that I'm talking about. Okay, one thing is powered speakers. Powered speakers are great because you don't have to place these giant racks of power amps and drag them around and everything. Um, and you don't have to worry about running mile long cables from your amps to the speakers. 
in these flexible installations I'm talking about. Yep. Right. So I really like that. I also liked, um, even when I'm running small systems, powered speaker gives me built-in redundancy. So I don't have to worry about losing a whole side of the PA if a if an amp fails, you know. So and as you as you you know you and I are old enough to remember dragging hundreds of pounds of amps around. Yes. So you have backups, and and some of those are amps that literally aren't even turned on; they're just there in case something else fails. Yep. Yep. Because you've got multiple. Yeah. yeah. Always a great idea to carry hundreds of pounds of stuff that you're not even using. <laughs> um, the other thing is you can now, which is great, you can take a wireless feed from your mixer. So you can locate, and I happen to use IEM. So I use the Sennheiser uh, in-ear monitor uh, setup okay. in order to send to the speaker, from the board to the speakers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I come out of my Denon, I go into my EQ, then I run from the EQ to the Sennheiser and run wireless to my speakers. So that allows me to put my mixing console anywhere I want to be. I don't have to worry about, you know, keeping within 25 or 50 feet so I get a good solid signal on an XLR. What are you finding for with that wireless signal um, distance and then uh, lag or latency? Uh, I have no latency issues, which is great. Nice. Um, from a distance perspective, I've gone, you know, normally in a bar, you're maybe 100 feet from the stage, I think, um, if you're in the back of the room. Mm -hmm. and that's where I tend to wind up. So I never have issues with that. Now, Ben, ben actually helped me a lot. He, he spent a lot of time down here in this area and knows how crowded our radio frequency is. Spectrum is okay, and so he made a great recommendation for exactly which which box I needed and all that, and I upgraded to a paddle antenna, which helped tremendously. So you can really yeah. beam the signal right where you want it. Exactly. I keep, I have a mic stand right next to my rig with the paddle antenna on it, and I just extend it up as high as I can get it practically, so it's up over the crowd, and I haven't had any issues since I went to that setup. Excellent. Nice. Um, so the next thing and uh, new wireless stuff is the wireless feed for lighting. And that allows you to do the same thing with your lighting and not worry about running DMX cables and all that fun stuff. Um, so we'll talk about that in a second. And, and then the, the final thing that I wanted to talk about tonight is also a wireless feed for my video. Because that's, uh, that's always a challenge. Oh, it certainly it is. Yes. Right? I, I, don't, I do carry my own vid screens and projectors and things, but I typically do... I do more residencies than I do one-time events. Okay. So my residencies, it's always a challenge to get on as many TVs in the venue as possible. And you want to make that easy, especially if you're not there every week where you've got to set it up and tear it down. Sure. So the new wireless HDMI solutions are pretty slick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to hear yeah, what you're using for that. So some new Bluetooth stuff that I'm playing around with, um, this is just my latest lighting stuff. And you can see actually behind me, um, is a the Chauvet, um, and I went with the quad LED, yep. but because it has also the amber, which is really nice. Um, but basically these things, and it, I know it's not state-of-the-art for uplighting, but I don't get that many gigs where they book me for uplighting in the traditional sense. Sure. And I can buy three or four of these to the cost of one good battery uplight. Yeah. So I can have a lot more of these really inexpensively. So I started with these and I love them. Um, they're very flexible. They're very lightweight. Uh, they're very bright. You can say, I mean, that's what's lighting the room behind me right now. Yep. Um, easy to control. And uh, I, I like the color bands as well. They give you a nice fill. If you can see behind me, there's a color band on the table. Oh, yeah. Lighted. There we go. Yep. And then I've got two of the quad LEDs in the two corners of the office. So, and it's all controlled from my iPhone. 
Um, I guess theoretically the distance limit of Bluetooth is about 100 meters, but the reality is I, I see it maybe. I had some issues in that big venue that I just showed you the picture of. Mm -hmm. uh, about 100 feet, 100, okay. 150 feet. It starts getting where like some of the some of the lights won't get the signal at the exact same time. So you start getting light changes, color changes that are not synchronized, that sort of thing. But I love if you're in a bar kind of scenario or a wedding venue, these are great. Yeah. Yeah, I've actually I've done some tests with that, and I've got a video that Shoei is going to be uh, putting up here uh, probably in another week or so, where we took it out and we actually did some uplighting of a cornfield hmm. and then walked in a perfect situation where there weren't any... Right any interference and such. And in that situation, we got about 350 feet away. Nice. But nice. yeah, in a, in a crowded, crowded environment, it's a different story. That's a great comparison. Crowded venue, everybody's using Bluetooth, right? Yeah. Every phone in that room. Yeah, exactly. So it's a, that's a neat way to neat comparison between the two where nothing and crowded. But I love the concept. I, w I kind of wish all my lighting fixtures had this capability. I, yeah. I, after playing with it for just a little bit, it's like, yes, I, I think the quad, the only thing I would like to have seen with the quad is I would like to have seen white over amber personally, right. but right. I'm not going to complain because that once you get it kind of honed in a little bit you get comfortable with the app, it's so much quicker plug in, you know, cord to the next light, cord to the next light, cord to the next light, I'm done. And exactly. it doesn't take that long at all. Exactly. So I, I'm really like, uh, I've just had these for a month or two and I'm, I'm really enjoying the freedom that they give me. Mm -hmm. So I said, I think they're awesome tools for simple solutions. Uh, distance limitation, I'm saying in a crowded room with a lot of people in there, 80, 100 feet, but still within reason for, I think, the way we're usually set up. Yep, I would agree. And, and the only thing that I saw was if you're out of the distance or right at the distance limit, what I see is some synchronization issues. Okay. So light number one turns blue, light number two stays green a little longer than turns blue. But, you know, it, it, it was not, it annoyed me. Nobody in the crowd had any idea. <laughs> Isn't that the way it goes? Is that we're like, oh my gosh, the night's ruined because it's not where no one else knows. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so this, I want to talk a little bit about distributing music videos. And this is assuming you're using, I, I typically use the house TVs, So I route to as many as they'll let me route to. So one option, and I used to do this, I used to pull HDMI, HDMI cables with splitters. Yep. So the, when I signed up for my residency, I'd say, look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to run cables to whatever number of TVs you want, and I'm going to charge you. I basically sell the infrastructure to the bar. Mm -hmm. I don't want to ever have to climb up to in their ceiling again and tear it out. Yep. Uh, and I said, and by the way, you can use this for other things. If you want to run advertising in your own bar or you want to run, you know, uh, fantasy football things where people come in with a laptop and plug in, you'll have that capability when we're done. Um, other options, you can run a broadcast over coax, another cheap way to do things with very inexpensive cables. You can do, and I've done before, VGA over Cat5. Yeah. You can do HDMI over Cat5. And it's just, the only reason really to do that is it's so cheap to get Cat5 cable, you know, Cat6 cable in long lengths. For sure. And just throw it up in the, in the false ceiling and drag it. So... Um, but I, I now use it, and again, there's some little bit of barrier, cost barrier to entry. But if you use a wireless HDMI solution, it truly, it's like magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wow, it just works. You don't have to pull any cables. You have a little box that, look, basically, the box feels like a, a modem with nothing in it. These, this is what I'm using. Uh, again, thank you, Ben Stowe. 
recommended the Peerless HDS. Mm -hmm. So it's a the the transmitter it can multicast up to six receivers. So that's just a how deep are your pockets when you get into this? How many do you want? Uh, I coming out of the box, I pop for four receivers in the transmitter. Okay. So also coming from the transmitter is hardwired out. So you can also run separate a separate network with this that's wired if you need to. You get full 1080p at 60 hertz. It can transmit up to 210 feet, uh, and it's its own network. So it's 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 not relying on the house Wi-Fi. It isn't impacted by all the customers logging in and streaming videos while you're trying to work. You know, it, it runs its own network. So you literally plug the output from your laptop into the transmitter, and then at the uh, whether it's a TV or a projector or whatever you're connecting to, you take a, re a receiver and you just run a little, I run these little 18 inch patch cords. Um, and typically what I do is I, I put a little piece of Velcro on the back of this uh -huh. and just strap it to the back of the TV. Okay. Uh, these work phenomenally well. No, I, I've noticed no latency issues. No, you know, the mouth is moving and then the song sings. Yeah. <laughs> um, they really work very well. So it's quite a fine, it is, it's sort of an expensive, you know, entry point to get into this. The transmitter is the expensive piece. Okay. Uh, but uh, I, I, I think they're great. Again, Ben Stowe told me about them, and I was like, all right, Ben, on this one, instead of buying an entry level one, and then I'm going to trade that in in a year, and and I'm going to buy four of these over the next two years. Yep. I said, Let's just buy the good one up front. He said, well, here's the one I would use. Mm -hmm. So. And that actually, we should sign them up as a sponsor, I suppose. <laughs> well, they are a sponsor, so awesome. So, so I'm actually uh, just just took uh, was putting a link up for the Peerless system. Or the yeah, it's good, really, Peer. really great quality stuff. I used it last night; it was so funny. Um, I had a weird situation where I was in one of my normal home bars, but they were having a friendsgiving event, mm -hmm. and so they asked me to do karaoke, which I don't do that often. And I needed to be a little closer to the stage to talk to the singers and stuff. So I moved my booth close to the stage. Well, my the input that I set up for the video distribution network in that bar is back where my booth normally is in the back of the room. Uh -huh. So I just, set, I just ran the Peerless from the front of the room to the back of the room and fed into the video system like I always do. So awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, that's all I prepared for prepared remarks. Sure. So, but I think, so again, uh, the biggest thing I, I would encourage all DJs to do is get out from behind your speakers. Yeah. Jim, why don't you shut the uh, screen share off here in just a second sure. and that way, that way we'll both be, and then we can, we'll chat about it. Cause I want to, I want to talk more about the, uh, the placement and such and how you deal yeah. with that. Okay. Or did I manage to get the share? No, you gotta, down? you gotta hit the share at the very top, I think, and shut it off. Okay. Stop share. There we go. There we go. Oh, perfect, now we're back. Perfect. Yep. Now it's just a, so perfect. let's, let's start with that. Uh, the, the getting set up and such traditionally, most venues have that idea that, you know, the DJ is in their little spot and it's that, you know, that eight by 10 area, eight by 20 area. How, how do you approach that when you're talking to couples or, or clients and saying, you know, no, that's not how I'd prefer to set up. I'd rather set up this other way. I usually, I try to put it in terms that they get, right? So I say, think of me like a band. I don't set up like a DJ. I set up like a band. Okay. And, and I explain to the owner or to the couple, the reason I do that 
is so that I can give you the best sound that I could possibly give you. And I said, just think about it. And I basically do the presentation that I just did, which is I said, if I'm behind the speakers, then I can't hear what you're hearing. Right. And so I can't adjust it to make it as great an experience as it could be. So, and most people, when you say, oh, okay, band, then they go, oh, sure, a sound guy, he's in the back. You know, not everybody, but um, that, so that's the way I usually explain it. Then if they didn't get the first one, then I'll say, have you ever been to a live concert? And, and they go, yeah. I said, well, where was the sound guy? Was he behind? Did you notice? Was he behind the stage? You're like, oh, no, he was like in the first balcony at the back of the audience. So, and, and then I go through the same pitch. The reason he's in the audience is so he can hear what you're hearing. Because that's, that's our job, right? Is our job is to make it sound as good as it can possibly sound for, sure. for that audience at that time. For sure. And that would be one of the biggest, especially in my my area here where I can, I'm envisioning a couple of venues where they don't have, they've got their stage and that's where they want the DJ. And, and this corner is where we, we, we knock down the tables and stack the tables. This corner is where the bar, this is where the cake goes. And it would be such an uphill battle in some cases. One of the things that I did to make that a little bit easier when, in fact, last night I shoved my rig into a, like it was a booth they pulled the table out of the booth and my rig fit between the two bench seats. Okay. So my, my whole rig is a one rolling amp rack. It's a, I think it's 14 or 13 or over six, uh, over 20 space. So it's like a very tall, thin rectangle yep. mm-hmm. and it's what, two and a half feet square. So that's the other thing is I say, look guys, I need three square feet, <laughs> right? That's all I need. Yep. And, and I, I'm going to stand right there. I don't need anything else. So literally, if that's where it's in, take take one of those stacks of chairs, and I can replace that. And all, and really, all I need near me is a power outlet. Mm-hmm. That makes the world very simple. In my in my main residency right now, I tuck in literally next to an ATM. <laughs> the little little cubie where they have the ATM, and that's the DJ booth. So when someone comes to get cash, you just leave, have a handout. Yeah, you can. They're literally standing you right can, next. Like I could touch their shoulder while they're getting cash. Yes. You can tip the yeah. DJ now. Now's a good time. Exactly. <laughs> Always take care of the DJ. Yeah, exactly. You, want, you wanted that song? Oh, yeah, I can make that happen. But <laughs> That's right. Well, it's funny. I used to think that that bar was just messing with me because every, like, especially now during the holidays, one of these weeks, and it could be tomorrow night, I don't, but one of these weeks I will show up for work and there will be a Christmas tree standing where I set up. Oh, I mean, literally in my spot. Yep. And then I have to move somewhere else. So it, it's nice to be flexible because <laughs> you never know. You never know when the marketing person at your venue is going to get creative and your spot disappears even week to week. Yeah, that it would be. Um, <laughs> when you're doing the wireless, the video and such, what are you doing for backup? Because there's always that, that chance that something, your primary will go down. Are you, are you still bringing some, uh, some wiring and such in case? I carry, yeah, I, I bring a great big road case full of cables. Okay. So, I have all kinds of HDMI cables and splitters and so I can run them and chain them and do it. I, you know, I could literally throw together an, uh, an HDMI network in 10 minutes. Okay. So if, if pinch, but knock wood, the, the peerless system hasn't failed me yet. And I would assume with the, the wireless audio, you're doing the same thing as you've got the trunk that has all the XLR cables in it. I, I do. I, I carry, even though I, I usually am maybe like I said, a hundred feet from the stage. I carry at least a thousand feet of uh, my cable with me just in case you never know. And are they properly wrapped? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do. I am very careful about over undering 
Um, but I work, I bring my kids on gigs and uh, they're, they're big fans of over the shoulder. Yep. <laughs> Um, gather, gather, so gather. in theory, they're professionally wrapped, but you know, pr from a practical perspective, there's a whole bunch of them that Ben would shudder at, and then he'd tell me the replacements for. <laughs> he said, "I can tell by looking at the way you've wrapped your cables that you'll be needing new cables soon." So <laughs> that sounds like yes, that's so that's a Ben. And by the way, we have these lifetime warranty. <laughs> exactly. Oh, funny, funny, funny. Ah, uh, let's see. There was there was one more. There was one more question. Um, oh, getting back to the uh, Bluetooth lights for for the people who haven't played with that, what kind of a, a learning curve from the time of getting them to the time of being able to deploy a nice little light show? Would you? What kind of? How would? You, much time will it take for someone to kind of figure it out? Well, just you install the app on your iPhone or your Android, and um, the app when you start the app, it automatically finds the lights. So you, literally, all you have to do is plug the lights in the wall and load the app. And then it'll say, I'm, I'm you know, searching for available fixtures. Yeah. I, and I was, I was very pleasantly surprised that everything, it just actually worked out of the box with no, I didn't have to influence it or change it or, you know, you know how normally things work great once you get over the hump. Mm -hmm. There was no hump in this case. Um, so it, it all just works. Now, figuring out, how to do a little light show with chases and scenes. And I have no idea how to do that today. I normally put these in and I, there's a, there's a fixed mode like this. There is a rainbow mode where the, you can see the devices change colors yep. sort of those are, that's my light show. And then I can, I can speed up the rainbow, right. Or we can slow it down, but I, I, I just don't mess with it that much. You can put it in sound activated, but it, that for me, for most scenarios, is perfect. Sure. Um, I didn't go much further than that with my DMX lighting. Mm -hmm. So I just I what I find and my son got very into DMX, and so he got my he got my moving heads doing really cool things, and I've never taken the time to truly understand how to do that because I never have the time to execute at a gig. I usually I'm tied up trying to read the crowd, trying to decide what to play next making sure the audio and video are top notch and lighting is always sort of an afterthought for mm -hmm. me. But this may, for someone like me who doesn't want to spend a lot of time, this is a great solution. I would agree. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty much, you know, put it on, put it on auto and forget. Yeah. You can just adjust speed if need to, what have you. Yeah. So that's, that's what I really liked about it. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I wanted, let me talk a little bit more about the, uh, the Sennheisers as well. Because I, I yeah. tried a number of remote audio solutions. The first thing that I tried was just running 100-foot XLRs, yes. which, by the way, works just fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can buy the 100-footers are a little awkward to handle. So what I found was more convenient is buy 50-footers and put two together. Yeah. Um, I had no issue with that other than just routing them through the bar. Right. So you can, they're not that heavy. You can always swing a mic cable over a rafter or whatever. So um, that's a good way to go. To, so you can implement my solution without the wireless to your speakers. Yep. I just like it. I mean, I, I do. I'm old school. So I still always believe that there's nothing safer than a cable. Yep. Right. Because nobody, nobody can knock over the antenna of your cable or <laughs> although people can trip over your cables and yank them out. So I, I usually, like in, in my residency, I have 
sound hardwired and I run wireless. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of depends what I'm feeling on any given day. Yeah, I think the uh, that little Sennheiser, I think Ben talked about that a little bit. I haven't had a chance to play with it, but it it does sound, I mean, that's, that's what he says. It's the most reliable system for that application out there right now. It, it, it works really well. It has a really great frequency range, so you're not dropping anything on the floor before you start. You know, a lot of them that I looked at, like, didn't, they were, you know, 50 to whatever. They were still the audible range. But I, I've seen, and I had experience with dropouts and things with others that I tried, and it just wasn't worth it. I didn't used to use it for my main, between me and my and the powered speakers. I used to use a, diff, a couple different wireless solutions to get a feed into the house system. Okay. And so with the, with the Sennheiser, it's awesome. You take... You literally take a second uh, body pack and the cable that Ben hooks up for you is basically, it's just like a iPod cable to an XLR. So if you're going to a powered speaker, there's your cable. If you're plugging into a house system, every venue that I've ever been to has a, a you know, eighth inch jack that you can plug an iPod into. Mm -hmm. So literally you take a body pack, you plug in their iPod cable and turn on the volume and they now have a feed from your system. So it just, it doesn't get easier than that. And then from a control standpoint, I let the venue control that completely. They hear you've got my signal, put it on as loud or as quiet as you want. And yep. it, you know, they have all those zone controllers and all those crazy things. And I don't have to get involved in supporting those. And a wireless capability, when I've had a few times where we wired into a system at a, an, an establishment, and there's generally a buzz or a hum or something that happens. And I would guess with that wireless system, that helps tremendously because you're not connecting unusual grounds within the building. Right. Good point. Um, that's the other, my other big complaint about all venues is they have horrible power. I mean, my residency, uh, ever since I, I have the um, Furmans that have the voltage like right on the screen. Mm -hmm. So mine usually starts around 115, uh, which is in the zone, but it, it depends. There are compressors and things in the bar that turn on and it'll droop to 111. Yeah. You know, and literally, I, my, I've had my system brown out before. So uh, I'm very paranoid about that. I, I killed a laptop one time with bad power. Ooh. And so I will never carry my rack, every rack, every piece of equipment that I plug in does not touch uh, house power before it goes through a Furman. I nice. have those little ones for stage lights and things that, that Ben showed uh, recently, the cutting down on hums and things. But yep. um I, I just want to protect my equipment. I, I spend too much for the equipment to not protect it. For sure. No, that's good advice with that. Um, I remember one one VFW we went into, and it was at 104 volts is what we were getting yeah. out of the wall. And it's like, uh, I don't think this is such a good thing. Oh, yeah, that's the that's the outlet that's connected to the, and the air conditioner. So it's probably low anyway. Right. Oh, boy, thanks for that. But don't worry. There's, don't worry. There's another one. It's only 400 feet. Yeah, yeah, precisely. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, well, that one has a coffee maker on it, so yeah, but the coffee maker plays nicer. So, uh, well, good stuff, Jim. I did an outdoor tent wedding with one of oh. those recently, and the caterer provided some uh, par lighting. When they plugged in their lighting, my stuff <laughs> dropped below my threshold. My whole system went out. Oh my goodness! It's like this isn't going to work, folks. Yeah, we got to find you a different outlet. To... Exactly. Last two two tent or outdoor weddings. I carry my big tote that has all my extension cords. My, my, I think I've got about 10, 50 foot extension cords in there. The last outdoor wedding we went to and did, they needed all of my extra cords. 
and the one before that used about half, uh, four of my my extension cords because these people just didn't think that oh you have to pull more than one cord to do right. the tent lights and do the up lights in the corner and whatever else they're going to do. Yeah, it's not just DJs who sometimes make uh, bad decisions yeah. when it comes to electronics. Well, well, I guess uh, I started down this path. The other thing I guess which is worth mentioning the way I the way I set up the way I DJ it, it sort of comes from how I started I, in this business. I didn't start as a DJ. I started as a musician. Hmm. So I was the guy who made the mixtapes to play while we were on break nice. for the band. And so that, that eventually became, I'm a DJ now too, but I also, I play live gigs as well. So uh, all the stuff that I'm talking about in terms of how I set up and how I use the equipment, I use both for playing live and for DJing. What do you play? What instrument? I play guitar. Nice. nice. I do a one man thing now, just kind of acoustic, you know, sit me in the corner and entertain your clients kind of gig. Nice. Well, good stuff, uh, Jim. We're going to, going to be jumping here. Um, the, uh, if you guys rewind about 10 minutes, Jim had a, 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 at the end of his presentation, he had a slide there. If you guys want to get in touch with him, ask questions or share some thoughts, he had his contact information there. And uh, you guys can just bounce back and catch that. Jim, awesome. great information tonight. Thank you very much. I, I actually learned a couple of things tonight, and typically I kind of know most of the little aspects of it. So it's really kind of refreshing when, when someone's like, "Oh, cool," because then I can I, my little notes off to the side here. It's like, "Oh yeah." Very cool. Well, stuff. thank you very much for having me on. I was showing my son earlier. I said, "Do you remember we met John at the DJ convention?" And he's like, "Yeah." And I said, well, "I'm going to be on his podcast." He goes, yeah. "Get out." Yep. So, Worked out well. Glad to have you, Jim, and we will uh, be in touch. Guys, we'll All be right. back in about, uh, oh, it's going to be about 20 minutes here. We're going to get um, uh, Rick, Rick Cobb is going to be on with me tonight, and we're going to give you our 10 picks for the hot gear, things that were hot for DJs in 2018. We'll be back in about 20 minutes. Uh-huh.